You have, you have this, this God that you cannot see. You live in an ungodly world that you are about the only one that serves God anymore in this chaotic world. And that God tells you it's going to rain. Now to us, we might think, okay, I understand this whole rain thing. You know, it's going to, it's going to be a big downpour. But for Noah, scripture tells us it had never rained before at all. I mean, they'd lived like, they, they'd lived a long time and it had never rained. It says that the, the water, it would just come on, as, as dew on the ground. That's how, that's how the, the, the plants and everything got its, um, got the water and everything. And so this was, this was something completely out of the blue. It's, you know, this took a lot of faith for Noah to, when God's saying the water's gonna, gonna come down from the, from the heavens. It's gonna flood this place. I need you to build an ark for the salvation of your family. And it says that it was by faith that Noah, when he was warned of these things, he moved with godly fear. He believed the words of God. See, if God is telling you something that seems so, so off, so, uh, so wild, would you believe them? Would you believe God if he told you to, to give up everything? If he told you to, to sell everything and, and give your life to him in a, in, you know, a way that, uh, that just seems so radical? If you, were, if you knew that it was God speaking to you, would you do that? Exactly. I mean, this is, this is what like Noah's kind of faith was. In fact, I guess maybe that, that scenario would fit more so with this next scripture in Hebrews eleven eight, where it says that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He had all this land. It seems as though that, that his family was rather wealthy. He had all this land he was going to receive as an inheritance. This was his homeland. And yet God was speaking to him. There's no indication that Abraham's father uh, was was a godly man. Was was he, he lived in a pagan country. We have no indication that that he he served God except for that Abraham, when God spoke to him, he followed the, the voice of God and he said, God, I will go. It took faith for him to give up everything and just go when he heard the voice of God telling him to go. See, as believers here today in, in this, this New Testament church age that we live in, we are, we're supposed to follow the examples of these men that we see the, the actionable faith that they had, right? They had actionable faith. And there needs to be points in our life, there, there ought to be points in our life where it takes action to, to prove that I believe God. It's not just about profession of your, of, out of your mouth to say, Lord, I, I believe in you. I, I know the devils believe in God, right? Every demon believes in God. They can confess that God is, is real. They can confess that he is a savior. They can confess all of that. That doesn't mean they're saved because it takes faith for us. It takes action on our part. Uh, and, and, and this, this action on our part, it plays right into, um, into this, this faith process of us living by faith. You see, these, 
I want us to keep two important points uh, in mind about faith. And you have these here. The first point is that faith always brings about action. Faith always brings about action. In fact, in James 2.26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That faith without works is dead. Faith without action is dead. It's no, it's no faith at all. There is no faith without action. And so faith always brings about action. So when we say, I want to walk by faith, and that's what God has called us to do, is to walk by faith, that means he's, he's calling us to some actionable steps in our life. There's some things that, that, I mean, it takes faith to believe that baptism will wash away your sins. That's an actionable step. It takes faith to say, I'm repenting of my sins. And it's actionable for me to then go and to live differently from how I used to live. To live a repentant life. It takes faith to, to live and, uh, and, and to allow God to continue speaking to us and to, to, to show us things that we need to improve in our life. And there's actionable things, things that we need to do. Faith always brings about action. The second point is that faith guides us to salvation. Faith guides us to salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's our faith when we, when we have these, these actionable steps that, that's you know, waking up to the reality that God is real, and that God is calling us to Him, that this life that he has for us is better than the life that we could have in the world. There's some, it, that, that faith, this awakening in us, it will reveal this plan of salvation when we, when we understand uh, this, this plan as it's laid out in scripture for us. Faith will lead us and it will bring about salvation. It will guide us to salvation. I want to look at just a couple of these fathers of the faith that, uh, that are mentioned in the book of Genesis here at the beginning of Genesis. And the first one that we want to come to is this man named Noah. I've kind of already, already looked into his, his life just a little bit. But in Genesis chapter 6, this is after creation. This is, um, we've had some time, generations of men. We've had uh, about a thousand years and, uh, that have gone by, even though at that time things are a little bit different. People live much longer than they live now. And, uh, and we have Noah that comes onto the scene. What, is, uh, what does everybody associate Noah with? The what? Okay, the ark. What was the ark built for? The flood, right? Everybody knows, everybody knows about Noah and the ark, or Noah, Noah's flood. Okay, so let's, let's just read a little bit about this, this flood. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 6. Beginning in verse five, I just want to to read this and and uh, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. Verse five it says that God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. Okay, sin has taken such a toll on humanity that. 
it gets to a point where God looks over all the earth, all of mankind, and he's like, why did I even create man? I created man to worship me. I created man, you know, with free choice, but, but, you know, here they are in all this wickedness. Now this is, this was not a surprise to God. God knew how things were going to play out, but yet it grieved him in his heart. And that's still, God still grieves over sin. Even today, God grieves over sin. And, and we see God grieving over the sin of mankind and, and, and the fact that he wants to be in fellowship with mankind. This is why God's grieving. It's like, I, I created you in my image, but when you are living this sinful, debaucherous lifestyle, I can't have fellowship with you. And I want to have fellowship with you. And it grieved his heart that, that he ever even made man because he, he looks down and he says, I can't have fellowship with my creation. But the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have, crea- whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, the creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Continue in verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Maybe just put your, your name in that, in that line right there. But Austin found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Right? But Curtis found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Imagine, imagine if this is you. How privileged we are that God would come and he would save just one soul. How privileged we are as God's creation, as God, the one who, who it grieved his heart to not be able to have this communion, to have this, this uh, relationship with, with his creation. And yet there was one that he saw, or maybe I could say one family that was there. And yet, and God, he says, you know what? I'm not going to destroy everything because I see one there and there's hope and I will save. I will come down and I will save just for one. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If this was, this was you, well, just, just know that God would still come down. If it was just you, God came and He loves, He loves you enough that, that when, when you are living a, a separate lifestyle, a separated lifestyle from the world, God notices. When you remain faithful to Him, God notices. The whole world the whole world can go and live however they want, but God notices when you step out and you live according to his plan. God notices you. See, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it goes on and says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah, he was a just man. He was perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons. He had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God, he looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. And here's the instructions that God is giving him for salvation. Notice. What were our two points that we had that we wrote down earlier? Faith takes action and faith leads to salvation. Okay? 
Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was action on Noah's part. Okay? There was faith. There was, there were things that he were, he was doing. There were actionable things that he was doing that got God's attention and said, this guy right here still believes in me. This guy right here, I'm gonna come. And because of the faith of Noah, it brought about this plan for salvation. It says, make an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. You shall pitch it within without the, with pitch. This is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length uh, of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. The door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Before I get to the ne- that next verse, I just want to point something out here. Did, did God tell Noah, it's getting ready to flood, figure out how to save yourself? No. Did God tell Noah, it's getting ready to flood, build a boat, do it however you want, just build a boat? He gave him some pretty specific instructions, right? There's some pretty specific instructions that, that dealt with the salvation plan that God had for Noah. You know, I think sometimes we, we think and we, we look at God and we, we see the grace of God. And uh, the, the grace is the fact that he would save us from our sins. But he doesn't just leave it up to us to say, just go and do it however you want. He doesn't say... Hey, you need saved from your, from your sins. And so whatever you think the best way to do that is, do it. God doesn't say, okay, you need to be saved from your sins. I'm going to die on a cross. You figure out then the rest of, uh, rest of what you need to do. Uh, you know, try to live the best way that you can. No, God has some pretty specific instructions for us today. The same as he had for Noah, the same we'll see uh, throughout, the, throughout the history of mankind, that anytime there needs to be salvation, God has a specific plan for salvation to take place. The same is true for us. God has specific plans, the same way he, he has specific plans laid out for Noah and his family to have salvation in this time of destruction. God laid it out for him, and, and we, we'll see that Noah did obey it. Verse 18, it says, but with thee, I will establish my covenant. Amen. I'm thankful for that, that God looked at Noah and he says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You will come into the ark, thou, your sons, your wife, your son's wives. So there's eight, uh, eight in total. Verse 19, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for uh, for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So we see the faith of Noah lived out. We see him, the, the actionable steps 
that Noah took to live and to, to, get, to gain salvation in the way that God had laid out for him. And, and what, what good uh, lessons for us to still learn today from this. You know, it's a, it's a totally different plan of salvation for Noah. God's not telling us, I'm going to destroy the world with the flood. In fact, he sent a rainbow afterwards to say, I promise I will not destroy the world again with a flood. But he will destroy the earth again. There is destruction that's coming again. There is an end. In fact, all of us will meet an end. No matter if it's when God comes back and, and the, the whole earth uh, is destroyed or not. There's, there will be an end and we all need salvation. And I am so thankful that God has made a way. He has made a salvation plan for us. And it takes faith, which is actionable steps on our part to, to put this into, into practice, put God's word and his plan for salvation into practice. It's different. It's not building a boat according to God's instructions, stepping into the boat. But it also is kind of doing that. As in we just... we today are called to step into the boat of salvation that God has for us, which is through repentance, through being baptized in Jesus' name, through receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And with all of that, there is only one door. That's the only entrance that comes into heaven. That one door that was in the ark, there was that one way that they could get into safety. And there's only one way that we can get into heaven. And it is through the plan of salvation that God has for us today. There's not all these wide open pathways that you can get to God. There's one pathway. One pathway. Amen. See this story of Noah. We can kind of read this and, and maybe think, well, that's, that's, a nice, that's a nice story to tell my kids at bedtime. And it is. But there's a whole lot that we can learn from it too. It took a lot of faith. There's There's sin. We see that the sin of mankind, uh, these, these things that um, we're not going to read all these scriptures. There's a lot of a lot of different scriptures there that you can look up later. But we see with Noah this lesson of salvation that applies today. The fact that there is sin and that sin brings death. That God brings his grace. Okay, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is unmerited favor. In other words, Noah, he found favor in God's eyes. God could have just wiped him out too, but he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, so there's sin. Sin brings death. God brings his grace. Grace brings a plan of salvation. Amen. I'm thankful for the plan of salvation. That plan must be obeyed. It's not just about God having a plan of salvation and us clapping our hands and thanking him for getting us getting a plan and then never obeying it what good is the plan of salvation if we don't obey it <laughs> and then obe obedience allows god to save us amen obedience allows god to save us so that we, we learn all of those things from this story of noah and they're applied in a different way for us today and you can kind of look up some of those scriptures that that we have there on our, our study sheet and see how all of that applies. We kind of already have talked about it um, already. We've kind of hit on those things. But I want to go to, uh, go to a, 
the next individual, the next father of the faith, who is mentioned there in Hebrews. He's also kind of the next one that comes up in this book of Genesis after, after a couple of generations uh, of people are mentioned in the story of, of Babel. It's talked about, and we're gonna, then you get to this man named Abraham. Actually, at the beginning of his life, beginning when we're first introduced to him, his name is Abram, Abram, and then God changes his name to Abraham. So this man, Abram, he uh, was many generations after Noah, after the flood. The earth is once again well populated, and just as in Noah's time, Finding faithful men and women of God was no easy task. But in the midst of all of the world's activity, in the midst of all of this sin, God found a man who was willing to follow him and live it out in faith. We see Abraham. Anybody know how old Abraham was when when God first called him? Was he a young man or an old man? He was an old man, 75 years old. I want to let you know that it's never too late. It is never too late to start on this journey with God. In fact, Jesus tells that, tells one of his parables to to let us know it's never too late. And he celebrates everyone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long that you've lived for the world. The gate is wide open. You can come right in. And he says, you'll get the same reward if you would turn your life over to him, you know, at an old age as if you did uh, living for him at a young age, amen, that you get the same reward. So it's never, never too old to start living by faith. 75 years old, God speaks to Abraham. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. It says that the Lord had said unto Abram, get out of your country from your kindred, your father's house, unto a land that I am going to show you, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you a great name. You shall be a blessing. Continuing says, um, and I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And in, all, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. 75 years old. God calls him to live this life and to say, I'm calling you to walk by faith. I know that you have all this, all this promise to you, all, these, all this inheritance, all this land, all your family that you're leaving behind, but I'm calling you to trust me. So at 75 years old, Abram starts walking this this in this journey of faith and he's going to some country that that God has promised to him and so he just starts walking he takes his uh he doesn't have any children but he takes his nephew and and uh, all of his servants and he is like I said a very wealthy man so he has a lot of animals all these things that are coming with him and so God is is calling Abraham Abraham allows God to lead him into this place where he doesn't know where he's going except that God has called it uh, a promised land for him. So as Abraham uh, journeys in this life of faith, God is reminding him of all these blessings that are going to come as a result of trusting in God. In fact, we can see 
this room, one of these reminders in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, 5 through 7, it says that God brought him forth abroad and he said, look now toward heaven. Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. In other words, you're going to have a family that is expansive as the number of stars as you can see in the sky. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Now at this point, God's promising him that he's going to have a family that is as expansive and as numerous as the stars in the sky that he can see. This older man, and how many children does he have? Like zero. Abraham, with no children, and yet God is calling him and saying, trust me. What does it take for you to trust God? When God has promised you something, and you see no fruit of that promise, do you still trust God? Will you still walk by faith? Will you still, as Abraham did here, count it unto the Lord for righteousness? In other words, saying, God, you're right. God, Every word that you say is right. I accept it. I believe it. I'm holding on to that. I'm going to continue walking by faith. Come on. He counted it unto him for righteousness. That the Lord, when the Lord said, look up to the stars, your family is going to be as expansive as every star that you see. And yet he looks around at his circumstance at this advanced age. And he says, but Lord, I don't know. He doesn't say it out loud, but I, I can imagine him thinking this. But Lord, I don't have I, I at least need, you know, one child to start this. I don't, you know, I, I want to see something coming of this. But yet, he says that he had faith to believe that when God said it, it's going to happen. Come on, do you have faith to believe God is going to come through even when you don't see it right now? God's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always, always perfect. Keep trusting God. Keep holding on. Prayer. Come on. Prayer works. Just believe that God will come through. Believe and continue praying in faith in that God will provide. God is a provider. Abraham, he trusted God's words when God said, you will have a family. And, and, and you know, what happened is that Abraham... Um, he, he tried to kind of make this happen on his terms. He looked at his wife and he, he one day said, you know what? We're not having any luck on this. So he took her servant. She had, he had her blessing, his wife's blessing. They went, they had a child. And God says, no, that's not the one. This isn't how it's going to happen. I said that I will, uh, I will make of thee a great nation. I will do it. It's not your way. Okay, so he does that. And then God does at 100 years old, when Abraham is 100 years old, his wife, 90 years old, that they finally have a child. They name him Isaac. Isaac meaning laughter. 
Because when they finally receive that promise, that word of that promise that you're going to be pregnant, his wife, Sarah, just laughed. <laughs> God, you've got a funny way of doing this, to wait this long. But you know, he may not have seen in his lifetime that, that expansive family that was going to come, but it would happen. It would happen that God would make of him a great nation. And, and we, we see the story of that. In fact, the whole uh, Old Testament is the story of Abraham's family. And so uh, God, God, did, uh, God did come through on his promise to Abraham. And Abraham continued to walk by faith. Now here's, here's uh, just an incredible story of faith. Incredible uh, c- kind of conclusion to this, this life of Abraham. And you can see his faith really played out. When he finally has a son, remember, really old, finally has a son, and what does God tell him to do with that one son that he finally has? Go sacrifice your son. Okay, that does not seem like something that God would ask, and quite frankly, I don't know why God would ask him to do that. It's, it seems very out of character for something God uh for something for God to ask, but it must have been a very clear direction from God because Abraham obeyed in faith and said, all right, God, whatever you ask, I'll do it. Now, this takes some massive faith. Remember, faith is actionable obedience to do what God asks you to do. Faith. So by faith, Abraham went and he took his son Isaac, who at 12 years old, he, uh, he, he laid himself on an altar. And Abraham, he, he had this altar built and he raised up the knife. And in that moment, in the last moment, God says, stop. He sent an angel to stop him. And he provided a, 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 another sacrifice, this ram that was caught in the bush. And it was by that that God said, I see your faith and I'm going to bless you. I will continue to bless you because you walk by faith, everything that you do. And he saw that God is a provider. And so he offers up this ram as a sacrifice saying, God, you are a provider and God will provide for you when you walk by faith. Amen. The next, the next individual we go uh, to, uh, to Abraham's grandson named Jacob. Isaac eventually goes, he gets married uh, to, to Rebekah. They have twin sons named Esau and Jacob. And these, uh, these two sons, they, are, um, they don't really get along. Esau is Isaac's favorite. Jacob is Rebekah's favorite child. That never is a good way to parent. To so obviously have favorite children. That is not a great way to parent. And you see the very big struggles that they have. And, uh, and there's a lot of infighting that happens to the point where, where Jacob eventually has to run away because his son or his, his brother is going to kill him for stealing things from him. And it was the birthright that he had stolen from him. And so Jacob eventually goes and, um, as, as he matures, he, God just gets a hold of him. We see in one night as, as Jacob in his life when God comes in, in a very real way and, um, and he has this, this moment where he starts wrestling with God. And in that moment, his name is changed from Jacob, which means deceiver and heel grabber, to Israel. God says, I'm going to call you Israel, which means the prince. I'm going to call you a prince. 
And you are, you are going to be one, or it means uh, prince, or triumphant with God. And so God is taking somebody who is a deceiver and a supplanter and, and going to cause him to be triumphant with God and a prince. And so uh, Jacob then becomes this father of many nations. He's, he becomes a father who has 12 sons. He has uh, some, uh, some daughters as well. And they are the ones that really um, we, we call the nation, even today, Israel, because of this man, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And we see the faith that Jacob has as he uh, turns his life around from this life of, of deception, this life of, of sin, and he turns it all around when he has an encounter with God and he starts walking by faith. Amen. Let's conclude here with this look into this life of Joseph. And, and we've been we were looking at him on, on Sunday mornings, kind of looking at, at Joseph's life, but... Joseph is one. Uh, he is. He was the favorite child of of Israel, the favorite child of, of Jacob. And Joseph, he uh, has this life where it is up and down, up and down, up and down. And yet we see him continuing to have faith in God. Let's just, let's just go to his story in Scripture in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, verse 2 and, and 3. It says that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. The Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. See, this is, this is Joseph. This is uh, part of his story after he had been sold into slavery, and yet God continued to make everything that Joseph did prosper because Joseph kept his eyes on God. He continued walking by faith. Everything that he did was, was to say, okay, here I am. Everything is going well. I'm going to see my brothers one day, and they throw me into a pit, and they're going to leave me to die. That's not a very easy place to be and to still trust that God loves you. <laughs> is that your family turns on you and they're going to leave you to die in a pit. Would you still trust God? You still have faith that God, want his, his plan for your life is, is, you know, is, is good and well-intentioned. That this God, He loves you. Oh, they come and they, they rescue me from the pit. This is great. They, they change their minds. No, they didn't rescue me. They only brought me out of the pit to sell me. Or what a, what a big uh, change in his life. At just 17 years old, he had these dreams, these prophetic dreams about his future. And then his brothers go into this jealous rage and they sell him. They tell their father that he had died. Some evil beast had, had come and, and ripped him to shreds. They tell their father this lie. But then Joseph... After he had been sold into slavery, he, he kind of goes on an upswing. He, he, he gets favor. He finds favor in the, the household of Potiphar, this high-ranking Egyptian military leader. And, and things are going well in Potiphar's house. He's, he's saying, all right, God, I see you still have favor on me here. And then, in the midst of all this, things going well, things take a turn again. Potiphar's wife, she has eyes for Joseph, and Joseph being a, a man that is, um, is moral, he doesn't have the, the Ten Commandments uh, to live by, that they haven't even been 
uh, been given by God yet, but he's, he still knows morality. He still knows that he shouldn't sleep with another man's wife, and so he refuses her advances, and yet she goes in, 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 in jealousy or in, uh, uh, I guess, whatever was, was prompting her. She goes and, and accuses him of, of trying to sleep with her, and so he's thrown into prison by, by his master. And so, uh, you know, what a, what a change of events again. When if you look at your life and, and you see the ups and downs of your life, do you continue to walk by faith? Through the ups and downs, it's not always easy when things are, are falling apart to say, God, you still have a plan and this is going to work out for good. God, I'm still going to trust you. God, I'm still going to serve you. And, the, and Joseph, through the ups and downs, here he has been sold into slavery. He's down. Come on, things are going well. Uh, in, in, in Potiphar's house, God, I'm serving you on the upside. And, and I'm thrown into a prison, and I'm still going to serve you when I'm there in prison. We see that. We see Joseph continuing to serve God. He gains favor when he's in prison, and he's faithful there. And in, in his incarceration, Joseph, he becomes the overseer of all the other prison inmates. Things are... Starting to go up for him. Joseph, he interprets the dreams of two former employees of Pharaoh. And then one of them is released. He eventually tells Pharaoh about Joseph's ability to interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh calls Joseph out of that prison when, when Pharaoh needs a dream interpreted. And so God gives him the interpretation for Pharaoh's dream. And so Joseph is again lifted up. And so he continues going on this upswing. And, you know, sometimes as hard as it, uh, as it is to serve God when things are falling apart, it's equally as hard for some to serve God when things start going well. And when you see... Hey, I'm getting all the adulation from all these people. All these people think that, think that things are going well. And, or, you know, they, they see something in me and, and they start lifting me up and, and things start coming together. And sometimes we look at ourselves and we get prideful. Sometimes we can just look at somebody else and say, hey, look what they did for me. But we see Joseph. He's saying, no, it's not me. I'm not the one that can tell you about your dreams, but it's my God. He's not taking any of the praise. He's saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what God, I continue to serve him. I continue to bow down and have faith in my God. And so because of that, God continues to lift him up. And as, as Joseph it gets lifted up uh, within Egypt to become number two in charge of all of Israel or, or, or of all of Egypt, he finally comes to this place where he saved, saved Egypt from this, this famine that has come their way. And in that moment of, of being on the very highest of highs, here come his brothers again. His brothers who had sold him into slavery. And what is faith? Faith is the actionable steps to obey God. And Joseph, he could have taken out all of his anger. He could have taken out all of these, this, uh, you know, this, this built up, um, jealousy and rage that he had within him for what his brothers had done. And he could have, could have sent them to jail, sent them into prison, sent them to death. He could have done any of that. And yet we see through, the, through a set of actions, I'm not going to go through them all, but through the this, this set of actions of how Joseph gets reconciliation with his family. 
And he invites his brothers into his house and reveals and he breaks down crying in front of them and saying, I'm your brother, the one where you meant this all for evil, but God meant it for good. And I may not have known what was going on along the way, but I continue to trust God. And you see this God that our dad told us about, this God that the one that he said that he encountered a long time ago, I've seen him work in my life. And he had some ways that he kind of tested his brothers to see, you know what, have you had any changes in your life as well? And they did. Simeon changed. He saw Simeon crying out to, to save his brother Benjamin. And, and he said, I don't want him to go through the things that, uh, that, that Joseph has had to go through our, our other brother. And so it's, it's through all of this he begins to see this. And so we see the faith that Joseph lived by. And we can learn so much through the faith of these fathers uh, from the Old Testament. And, and so Joseph, uh, even through all this betrayal, he refused to hold grudges. He, he, had, he was a man who believed that God was in control. When we look at Joseph's perspective, um, we see it illustrated, this, this truth uh, today of, how, of, of, of the same life of Jesus Christ, of how Jesus came to this earth, and yet he was rejected of men. He was hung on a cross, and he did it all for you and for me. He was sold. Joseph was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold by one of his inner circle for 30 pieces of silver. Judas, that's what he got for telling, uh, telling the, the, uh, the soldiers where Jesus was at, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Same thing with Joseph. He's sold. But all of it worked together for good. Amen. I want to just, we just finish this up tonight, and then we're going to get ready for our baptism in just a, just a minute. But in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 and 20, Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I... In the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. God's plan, even though I didn't understand it as I was going through it, continued to walk by faith. And God is calling us to walk by faith today. There's actionable steps that God is calling you to do right now. Some things that he's asking you to change. He's been trying to get your attention to change some things in your life and to take action on some things to get them out of your life so that he can, can, so that he can have this relationship. Remember back to, back to uh, Noah where God was grieved because of the sin of man. He says, I can't have the relationship that I want with mankind because they're in so much sin. It grieved God, but it took faith for God to be able to come and to save us and to lead them to salvation and then to have all these things where we continue to see God working in the lives of mankind. One more verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Praise God. If we can just, let's just all stand in this place. We're going to get ready for a baptism here in a minute. We got a, uh, our musicians can come and, and glory. If you want to make your way up here, we're going to have this very exciting, exciting conclusion to our service tonight. Amen. Somebody living out, living out their faith, the actionable steps of what God has called us to do. Amen. I'm so, so proud of this young, young lady who she for very many years has, 
uh, has seen God work in many ways in her life and and we're thankful for amen the Miller family being part of this church and been part of this church forever um, and uh, for taking Gloria into their family and for seeing this opportunity right now of, of all this conclusion of what God is doing in her life amen we're thankful for that and so we're going to have a baptism here in just a moment if you could just uh, just bow um, your heads or, or lift up your hands right now we're just going to pray before we come to this time of this baptism in Jesus name Lord we thank you God, we are so thankful for your plan of salvation. Lord, I pray that you would help us, each and every one of us. Lord, that as we look to you, God, that we would not just try to, uh, to, to, to finagle this and do this all in our own way, but to realize, God, that you are calling us to live, God, according in, to, to your plan, to your ways, God, in obedience to you. Lord, let us live by faith. God, when there's there's things in our life, God, that are messed up, whether we're going on the high or we're, we're going down low into the lower valleys of life, God, Lord, let us keep our eyes on you and fully trust you in faith. And God, as that happens, Lord, we are pu- pulled into this plan of the salvation that you have for us. God, so let us walk every day by faith, believing, God, that you can wash away our sins, that we can live a repentant life. God, Lord, I'm so thankful for this plan of salvation that you have for us today. God, if there's, any, if there's anybody here right now, God, let us be called to you for repentance, for baptism in your name. Lord, let somebody be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we love you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.